0: I speak to you this day in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We all understand some theological concepts in theory, but in practice we find it to be difficult to accept as it applies to others in times. Grace is an example of a concept we adhere to easily as Christians in desperate need of God's forgiveness. But in application, it is hard for us to grant this concept to others when justice, fairness, and equality mess with our heads. For example, let's think about two priests who have made it their life's vocation to follow God and took on the education and sacrifices necessary They put their efforts to serving others. One is a young person of few ministry years. The other have been in the ministry for a while. The older have done what is asked of him or her, built parishes, took on the work of serving as a curate, then an associate minister, then led small rural churches. This person has studied the Word of God fastidiously and did everything that was asked of him and checked all the boxes of what it means to be a faithful priest. The other priest came into their vocation younger, therefore having less life experience and even biblical knowledge compared to the older one. The young priests haven't paid their dues yet, like the old one. But they are both priests. They both answer the call. And they both are dedicated to faithfulness to God. If a job opportunity presents itself at a larger parish, which one of these should get the job first? It's natural to say it is the older, more experienced one who will follow God more in years. Who have paid her dues and earned her way in the church. Let's be clear here we are not talking about a secular job where experience and dues are indeed the determinant factors. We are talking about serving the kingdom of God. To the secular mindset, it is understandable for the person who has earned this privilege to be given the preference in this position not some yahoo who was born yesterday, right? Do you feel my pain here? But this tension for equality, fairness, and justice is what Jesus is challenging us to think about this morning. In God's sight, each person receives the same amount of grace and are giving the same status in the Father's eyes. Jesus as usual, reverses what we believe to be right and just in our secular framework. Jesus points us that grace and work for the kingdom of God do not work in this way. In the gospel lesson today, the Lord is telling his disciples a parable about a master of the house who went out to hire laborers for his vineyard. The owner goes out at 6 a.m. and hires laborers for a 12-hour workday. After agreeing to pay a day's wage for 12 hours, he hires a group of laborers for this task. And he goes out again at 9, at noon, at 3, and at 5, looking for idle workers to hire. When the time for the payment comes, the owner instructs the accountant to pay the last worker first. The last worker is to get the full amount of day's wages. Furthermore, the payment will be made beginning with the last person who worked the least amount of hours, and so on. So the payments is made are made in the reversal order of the hours worked. So when the workers who worked a full 12-hour day get indignant, The master replies, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Are you envious because I am generous? First will be last, and the last will be first. Is God just here? Is God fair? What is interesting at the beginning of the story is that instead of sending his messenger, The wealthy landowner himself goes to the market to hire his own laborers. The landowner goes repeatedly, even at the literal 11th hour. The owner's character in the story is such that he is always looking for laborers who are willing to work in his vineyard. And he alone will go and hire whoever is willing to work. Most of the time, the owners hire managers to do their manual labor hiring. And hiring is done only once at the beginning of the day. But this is a different sort of owner than most in the culture of the time. It is within the confines of an owner to hire later amid the project. But what will happen to the wages? The closing scene in which the payment is made contains the deeply disturbing element of the story. The landowner is now called Lord of the Vineyard. He orders that the last hired are paid. It's odd, but not as odd to hear the workers receive a full day's pay. Those hired first, after hearing this, rightfully expect that fairness demands they will receive more but they receive the same amount. To Matthew's original readers, including himself, who was a former tax collector, these people are committed to justice, equal pay for equal work. They share the consternation of those who have worked all day, enduring its heat and fatigue. The parable is upsetting, because it functions to challenge and reverse conventional values, including the sense of justice and fairness among Matthew's religious readers. Matthew understands the parable allegorically. So for him and for us, the landowner is the eschatological judge, God or Jesus. And the payment at the end of the day is the last judgment. The first and last in Matthew's view both refer to insiders, to Christians who have worked long and faithfully and latecomers who have not, like our young priest in the former example. Some members of Matthew's church might read first as the old line Jewish Christians and the last line as the Gentile Christians who are now received on an equal basis. What does the parable deal with? Just jealousy? Just envy? The parable deals with resentment toward others who have actually received the grace we affirm in theory. When they receive the just fulfillment of their contract, the workers do not object to what they have received but they object to the others being made equal to them. They have what they have by justice, and others have been made equal by grace. It is the last resentment that they find unbearable. The other workers' objection to the Lord's gracious acceptance of others as their equals alienates them. And that is the same with us. The story affirms the sovereign grace of God. It rejects the idea of presuming on grace because we have earned the right to obtain it. Grace, praise, and recognition in God's sight, if they're earned by good and faithful works, is no fruits of grace at all. Grace is always amazing grace. Grace that can be calculated and expected is no longer grace. Matthew's perspective calls us to understand our lives as being lived in the light of the presence and the coming kingdom of God. This kingdom of God represents a reversal of cultural values rather than their confirmation. The kingdom of heaven for Matthew is the kingdom of God. In Matthew's world, as much as in ours, two kingdoms collide all the time. Living in a secular world as Christians, we find ourselves amid this pull for equality and fairness and justice. But as disciples of Jesus, we cannot measure our worth by comparing it with the accomplishment and sacrifice of others. When this, when this urge, this jealousy, this envy comes to our soul, what do we do? One thing we can try is to serve that day with a heart of gratitude in response to God's grace. Christ is not denying us degrees of reward in heaven, but is affirming that God's generosity is more abundant than anyone would expect. All the laborers, except the very first, got more than what they deserved. In God's kingdom, the reward is given by our response to the call God places on our life. Even the apostles fell in the pithy game of thinking, who is the greatest among us? Even the apostles got sidetracked, by thinking who will sit at the right and left hand of God so when the Lord finds us this morning in our usual pew at our usual hour of worship will he find us doing our labor according to his call or will he find us looking over our shoulders to see what we're measured up if anything against others How much energy are we spending worrying about what others get while we have the opportunity to dedicate the same energy to discerning what God's will is today? Grace is the same for you and for me. Grace is the same yesterday, today, and forever for each person God calls to work in his vineyard. Grace is the unearned and unmerited favor of God. In the week to come, how can we grant this thing to at least one person whom we believe deserves the least? That's exactly what God has done. May we soften our resentment this week and give this gift to someone whom God deems worthy. G.W. Knight once said, when a person works an eight hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, that is a wage. When a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy for his performance, that is a prize. When a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievements, that is an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize, and deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway, that is a good picture of God's unmerited favor. And this is what we mean by when we talk about grace of God in this parable. Amen.